Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. That felt pretty good. Do you have another one in you? Somebody shout hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. It is so good to see you tonight in the house of the Lord. We're getting ready to turn in our Bibles this evening to the book of Amos, if you would please. To the book of Amos. Praise the living God. It's so good to have all of you in the house of the Lord this evening. Thank you for being faithful to midweek. Thank you to all of our guests that have joined us and all that have joined us online tonight. We are very honored. Very, very honored to have you here. Amen. I'm going to read one uh, brief scripture from our Focus 52 this week. And then I'm going to have you to be seated. I have actually uh, wrestled in my heart today as to uh, whether or not we would even be live online tonight because I feel like the Lord wants to speak to us about some things and um, believe it or not there is sometimes a little bit of a different pressure when you don't know who in the world could be watching but um, I believe the Holy Ghost is trying to speak to the church right now in this hour and I sincerely feel like it is with a greater intensity and urgency than I believe I have ever felt in my lifetime. I think, I think sometimes we're waiting on the next big thing to happen, and we're so desensitized by what has happened that I think that's a key that the enemy is going to use in the end time is to get us so desensitized that we don't recognize the next move. And the Lord is going to have to help us. But we're also going to have to help ourselves. And so tonight, I want to draw from our text in the book of Amos, chapter number 6, verse number 1. Amos, chapter number 6. I know that there's probably not a lot of you in this assembly tonight that spend a lot of time in the minor prophets. Um, it's not real easy reading to just sit down and pick up the minor prophets and say, I think today this will be my focus study. Um, but there are some pretty powerful parallels that I think we can draw from. And so we're going to just read our focus verse from 6 and 1. And then we're going to let the Lord have his way tonight. I don't know how preachy I feel or how preachy it's going to be tonight. But I feel like the Holy Ghost is going to fall. You, you can feel that anticipation in this room tonight. There is something deep trying to break forth and gush forth in this house. And I want to be right in the middle of it. Amen. Six and one, if you're there, say amen. amen. Woe to them that are at ease. In Zion and trust in the mountain of Samaria, which are named chief of the nations to whom the house of Israel came. I know it's usually not too incredibly hermeneutically sound to just draw from a section of a verse, but if you will, but allow me tonight that privilege 
I just want to draw from that first section of the sentence, woe to them that are at ease in Zion. Woe to them. That's a powerful word that I'm afraid sometimes the king's English may feel a little soft to us when we did not live in the 1600s. But how many of you have ever seen a real cowboy riding on a horse and when things start to get out of control, he can say one word. Whoa. That means you better stand still. And while this is not categorically a Western in genre, I want to tell you that there is more weight to this word woe to them than there is in your favorite black and white Western Saturday morning uh, screaming at his horse, woe. This is a deep, deep word that's saying, saying stop whatever you're doing. There's literally nothing else in this world more important than what I'm about to say to you. And that's what Amos is saying to them. If I could get that emphatic passion in your soul at the beginning when he says, whoa. That means life needs to stop for just a moment because I have a declaration from the throne room of heaven. And that declaration is, if you're at ease, it's time to get up. So tonight I'm going to talk to you. From this verse, you may be seated. Israel was in a unique place. The northern kingdom, at this time when Amos was speaking, was being ruled in the north by King Jeroboam. Now, Jeroboam, he had some very interesting modes to his operation in the northern kingdom of Israel. He had won a lot of battles. He had taken a lot of territory. He had amassed a lot of wealth and riches uh, was very, very wealthy in jewels and gold and silver. And this is usually the kind of place that you find people when they get extremely reckless in their faith. Because it is when they are well endowed with goods that they stop pursuing their creator. And they start pursuing riches. And so Jeroboam is sitting back on his laurels, just kind of kicking back and enjoying. There's really not anybody at this present time that would have the audacity to challenge the northern kingdom of Israel with Jeroboam's power and all of the destruction that he had caused in the lives of so many people. It wasn't that Jeroboam didn't have the opportunity to do the right thing. It's that his desire to do the right thing just wasn't in his heart. And that could quite possibly be the best teaching I'll do all night right there in that line. 
You will never, ever convince somebody to do something that's not truly in their heart. It, does, it doesn't matter how hard you push. It doesn't matter how hard you preach. It doesn't matter how much you teach. If you don't get it settled in your heart to do the right thing, you're never going to do the right thing. And uh, you've heard sayings like, you can lead a horse to water. See, y'all are preaching good. But you can't make him drink. And you can lead a man to righteousness. How do you do that, Pastor? He leads me in the paths of righteousness, Psalm 23, for his namesake. You can be led in the paths of righteousness and not choose righteousness. And so I feel like that the place that Israel was in in this time is so unique in a lot of senses, but really... Although we are, I hate to use the words spiritual Israel. I think it's kind of dangerous. I think sometimes it can be misunderstood. But for the sake of conversation tonight, let's just say that the, the church is spiritual Israel. Although technically we're not, but we are grafted into the vine of Abraham. We are part of that seed. But if you would allow me to just use the words spiritual Israel so that we can draw a comparison to how Amos makes sense to us. And I'm going to need just a little bit of room on the runway tonight, so please stay with me. But it's unique to the fact that the northern kingdom was, they had very much turned their hearts against God because they were well endowed with goods. And in order to continue in that direction, Jeroboam commanded the prophets of the northern kingdom to be silent. So if you start reading the book of Amos and you study this so-called prophet now, you're going to find something that's extremely interesting. Amos was probably not really a, a prophet, so to speak. He was a farmer. But he lived in the border of the southern kingdom of Israel. And Jeroboam had told all of the, king, all the, the uh, prophets of the northern kingdom, shut your mouth and don't prophesy or I'll have you killed. And so you know what they did? They shut up. And they didn't prophesy. And so the kingdom is now more wealthy than it's been in some time. But there is no prophetic word. If I could say it like this, there's no pulpits being filled with preachers declaring the word of God. And so since pulpits are empty, the Lord reaches down into a farmer's field. And he raises up a man from the southern kingdom by the name of Amos. And he says to Amos, I need you to prophesy. Now church, I need you to lock in with me right here. I'm not preaching hard, but I need you to lock in with what I'm getting ready to tell you. There is so much prophetic connection to where we are. Just like Hosea, who came before Amos. 
Amos was called by God to prophesy to the hard-hearted and more than likely we could say the hard-headed people of the northern kingdom of Israel. It was not the kind of prophecy that you and I would enjoy should the Lord send Amos to this pulpit tonight. But the farmer and herdsman by trade steps to the forefront of history now having his own book. Zeroes in on the people's apathy with a message to them very much unlike Hosea who is saying turn, 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 turn. Come on, come back to me, come back to me, come back to me. And Amos says, you better turn or else. Hosea spends an entire book saying he loves you so much he'll do anything he can to get your attention. And Amos walks on and says, I've tried to get your attention and you wouldn't listen. So here comes the words, turn to me or else. I want to get caught listening in that Hosea prophecy. I want to be caught in that moment where the Lord says, I don't care what you've done, Gomer. I don't care how far you've gone. I'll buy you back. I'll love you back. I'll redeem you back. I'll bring you home. I'll do whatever. Because on the other side of that window of opportunity, there comes another strong voice from heaven that says, look, I gave you the opportunity. I tried to move on you with compassion. And compassion would not work because the prophets of the northern kingdom obeyed the voice of the government that said, be quiet. And when the government put fear in your heart, you quit prophesying. So I'm going to raise up a man out of the southern kingdom. And I'm going to get him out of the field. And I'm going to have him come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And he's going to make some declarations. In extra biblical reading, you'll find about Amos. He kind of comes on the scene, then he leaves. But it was said that he angered the people so much with his prophetic utterance to Israel that Jeroboam's son smote him in the temple with a sharp object and tried to kill him instantly. And he didn't die immediately, so he goes back to the southern kingdom at home and lays there just very shortly and draws his last breath. And all of a sudden, things started making sense to me. Please don't leave me tonight. I know I'm not preaching. I'm not spitting to the back row. I need you to stay with me right here. We are coming to an age. And I don't mean coming in six years. I mean we're here. We are coming to an age where people would rather pierce a prophet through his temple than they would to heed the words of the Lord. But that warning only comes after prophets close their mouth because of fear. We have an online audience tonight, I'm aware of that, so just stay with me. But I want to tell you that what you're seeing transpire in the earth right now It is not about the hatred of races. It's about the hatred of righteousness. And this is the very thing that Amos is prophesying against the people of God about. 
was injustice. There were injustices in the land where the wealthy could care less about the poor and all they wanted to do was get more and more rich. I'm going to sound like I'm out there a little ways. So I hope you got your seatbelts on tonight. But I want to tell you right now, after seeking God for the last several months for direction on where we're moving and what's going to happen. I want to tell you that if you think we have seen the worst that there is, we're far from it. We are seeing right now, study history for yourself. We are seeing the beginnings of true Marxism, communism being released in the United States of America. I'm not talking about communism as in financial plans. I'm talking about communisms that are going, the, the spirit of communism that is going to replace a love for God, the power of the church, the power of preaching, and will ultimately lead us to that one world government of one voice. That one voice will become an anarchy that will eventually reveal the spirit and the man of the Antichrist. The anti-fascists that are in the streets right now protesting, we are now seeing that this goes beyond racial profiling and all of those things as now injustice after injustice is being done. There are people of every race and color whose blood is trickling into the streets. Authority is hated like I've never seen in my life. They would, honest to God, rather put a bullet through the chest of authority than they would to heed to authority. I saw a clip on social media, I believe it was on Twitter, as I was scrolling through uh, yesterday, could have been this morning, that there was a group passing by a man's window of his home. And he was standing in the window, Bishop giving them the thumbs up, saying, I'm on your team, I'm on your team, I'm for you. He was giving them the thumbs up to the protesters, we're on the same team. And immediately, they began to throw rocks through the window that he was standing in. And they busted out the windows of his home. As he is standing, screaming through the hole that they just knocked in his window. But I'm on your team. I'm on your side. I'm rooting for you. And I thought, my God, how many people in the 21st century church right now are standing at breaches that the enemy has knocked through their homes, through their families, through their relationship with God. And they're screaming through the breach saying... I'm on your team. I, I'm for you. It's okay. It all starts with simple little things like little bumper stickers on people's cars that say coexist. All religions have to coexist. Let's all be equal. Hate to tell you folks, but equality is not what's on the table right now. It's superiority. 
The people of this world that are crying out with vengeance for whatever they're trying to get vengeance for. It is not about equality of religion, of your belief system. It is a spirit of antichrist that is after world domination that desires to tear apart the very structure of the kingdom of God in the earth. And whatever means are necessary, that is what the enemy is going to do. I'm starting to feel like a broken record over the last few weeks, but I've got to get this down in your system and in your soul. We cannot afford to be at ease in Zion while the world is wide awake. The word ease in the Hebrew, the word ease in Hebrew literally means security. It's a place of security to those of you that feel secure in Zion. And what Amos is saying to them, you have found your sense of security in all the wrong things. You have found your sense of security in all the wrong places. You have been looking for things. To find your security. I'm going to tell you something church. This is the problem. That has presented itself with modern religion. When every preacher that gets on TV. All he preaches is prosperity. Because prosperity doctrine. Causes people to seek God for. Ridiculous motives that are outside the will of God. And the plan of God for their lives. And it brings a false sense of security. That if I can get just enough money that I don't have to feel like I'm poor. But the problem with that spirit is that it's never satisfied. That's what the word of God says. That spirit of mammon, when it gets in the heart of a man, it never finds satisfaction. And you are absolutely never, ever satisfied with what you have. So you constantly reach for more until eventually you get to the place that the only thing that matters is having one more tomorrow than you had today. But here is what I want you to get your mind wrapped around tonight. Those of you that are at ease in Zion. And what I'm about to come to you with tonight is not without much prayer and fasting and time in the presence of the Lord. But I'm telling you what I believe and I feel to be confirmed in the Holy Ghost. Is that all of these people who have put their hope and trust in the treasures of this earth are getting ready to find out that every bit of that money they have invested in all almighty. America, the land of the free, the home of the brave, the land of opportunity. You hear me what I'm telling you right now. We've already seen it happen in history and we're going to see it happen again before the coming of the Lord. That they can take the value of the dollar and make it whatever they want to make it. They can take a man that is a millionaire today and make him a pauper tomorrow morning when he wakes up. So people are going to work all their lives to make that first million. But as this spirit is revealed in the earth, you write this down. Take it to the Lord in prayer and see if you don't feel confirmation. I'm telling you in Jesus' name tonight 
that there is coming a day that America is going to wake up and realize that all of the banks and the systems that they have relied on and put their uh, monies in and invested in and the stock market and all that. Who do you think controls the stock market? How is it that during a pandemic one day they can scare you to death and every number is in the red but still with nothing changing and virus numbers going up the very next day the stock market's green. How? Because there are string pullers in the background that are saying, if we want to induce fear in people, we'll make it red. If we want them to invest and feel like there's hope, we're going to make it green. Oh, pastor, no, no, no. That's not how that works. I'm telling you, that's exactly how the enemy is working. And if you can't look at the history of the church over the last hundred years in America and see the aberration of our ways that we have become so focused on the beauty of things and how amazing it looks and how wealthy we are and what kind of prosperity we can preach and that has become the idolatry of the 21st century church who's got the biggest house who drives the nicest car who's got the most money in their account but what I want to know is when are we going to wake up and realize that all of those things we put our hope in they shall surely pass away So what's the fix, Pastor? Is it, is, it al- is it like alternate ways to spend? Uh, listen, I've watched guys prophesy things. Like seriously, I've watched guys prophesy things saying, I'm prophesying this to you that you need to get rid of your money by gold and silver and Bitcoin. Who do you think regulates the value of gold, silver, and Bitcoin? Like why is that any different than a dollar? Has anybody over the last couple of weeks seen the signs that are going up in place the same for our safety and yours? We prefer that you use no cash. And now signs are coming up that are saying, we're so sorry, but unless you have exact change, you cannot use cash because we don't have adequate amount of change. Anybody else seen that? These are not made up images. Like these are, this is real. This is going on right now. And and everybody, this is what everybody's saying right now that's trying to come at us. It's these prosperity prophets that are coming. They're saying, listen, you need to take your green cash and you need to buy gold, silver, Bitcoin, whatever. I'm I'm not a financial advisor. I don't care if, if you're the wealthiest Bitcoin owner in Madison County. That don't matter to me. I think if you pay your tithes and you're faithful to God... You're not going to be forsaken. Your seed's not going to be begging bread. That's what I believe. I'm not a financial advisor. I don't care if you buy all the silver you can afford and all the gold you can afford. Go for it. Hey, I'm behind you. If you get a cool gold coin, shoot me one my way. I think they're neat. But listen to the spirit of what's what's being exposed right here. This is not about repenting and correcting our ways anymore. It's about finding alternative ways to beat the system. And we're only going to outsmart crooked politicians for so long. And eventually, how do you know, Pastor? Because it's in the Bible. Eventually, they're going to get the best of all of us. And somebody is going to wake up and say, you know what? I hate I miss so much church. 
to make all that money that I lost. And then all of a sudden, these old preachers that used to preach all the time, seek ye first the kingdom of God, they don't sound so silly anymore. Everybody doing all right? We got to have money to live. It's part of it. Got to have retirement or something. Got to figure something out. I understand all that. We need to keep doing it. We need to do what we got to do. We need to plan like the Lord's uh, going to come in a hundred years and live like he's coming before you go to sleep tonight. Okay? Is that wise enough counsel for you? I, I think that's what we need to do. But understand, Pastor, when I tell you right now, we have found a place of security that is 100% not the will of God for his church. You take a look at the book of Acts, and some of you are fixing to get nervous because you think I'm about to jump out in something crazy like a book of Acts principle. That's funny. <laughs> Anybody notice by Acts chapter 5 what was going on in the church? They were selling everything they had, and they had all things common. You think that's what God expects of us today? No, I don't. I don't, I don't believe God expects for you to go sell your house and sell all that. But they, if, you, if you notice... They didn't sell all their houses because they ended up going to somebody's house to pray and have church. So they weren't, they weren't selling everything out. You have to understand the concept. The principle was these people in a Roman Empire were owned by their stuff. How do you know that, Pastor? Because it's in the Bible. Acts chapter 5, that spirit of mammon has gripped the hearts of Ananias and Sapphira so much. That they walked right up to the man of God. And lied straight to the Holy Ghost. How did the Lord judge that matter? That's not something we want to talk about. See, that, that happened in a crazy story somewhere else. Past, yeah, it happened in the same exact story where they repented of their sins, got baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. But we're funny, funny people because we like to take the good parts out. We're, we are scriptural harvesters. We like to harvest out the part that we like, the part that gives us life and gives us energy, and the rest of it, we like to leave it alone. And Peter looked right in their eyes and said, you have lied to the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost, not Peter, the Holy Ghost judged on the matter. Do you know what the Lord's getting ready to do? I'm not putting death on anybody, so don't you run off out of here and lie on me. But the Holy Ghost is getting ready to start judging on some matters. And we're going to find out who false prophets are and who real prophets are. Jeroboam didn't mind hiring prophets that would prophesy what he wanted to hear, but he didn't like it when Amos came up out of the south and said, Hey, thus saith the Holy Ghost. I feel like what God is trying to get us to is an understanding of exactly what's going to happen in this end time without us having to know every single detail. If you got your Bibles, let's just go together to Matthew 24. Is everybody doing okay? Are you bored out of your minds? 
I've wrestled with this till I'm sick of wrestling with it, so let's just go after it. Matthew 24. I don't know. I don't know how else to teach this to you than to just teach it just like the Bible says. I'm telling you, there's a lot of people finding security in things that are not real security. Matthew 24, these are the signs of the end times. Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another. It shall not be thrown down. And watch this. And he sat upon the Mount of Olives. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. This was his church group. Okay? His disciples, his group. And they came to him privately looking for the way in. Like, okay, talk intimately with us now. Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall the sign of thy coming be? And what? That's in the Bible? Verse 4. What's the first thing Jesus said? Whoa! Woe unto them! Take heed. Listen to what I'm telling you, disciples. Don't let any man deceive you. Verse 5, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. Now, verse 6, there's going to be wars, rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled. Somebody say, war does not trouble me. Was that pastor preaching or was that Jesus? Is that what he said? We hadn't taken it out of context, right? He said, don't be troubled because of war. He said, these things have to come to pass, but the end is not yet. I want you to notice the order. Deception precedes war. I said this the other night, and I was preaching really hard, so I'm afraid some of you may have missed this. You will not find, and I, again, I did not serve in our military. But you will not find people who will be straight up true blue with you and, and tell you that when you've been in the trenches fighting, that what mainstream media tells you the bullets are flying over is not really what the bullets are flying over. It would amaze people to find out why we've been in some of the wars that we've been in. And it's struggles of power, believe it or not. It's struggles of money, drugs, financing things, getting control of of oil and, and opiates and all kinds of things that are running rampant in our streets. And men and women of honor have put on their 
uniforms and fought for our freedom for us, shed their blood for us, been wounded for us. And I, I don't want to make light of this at all. I can't imagine the honor of getting, but I want you to think about people putting their life on the line. And they say, okay, we've got, we're going to give you a purple heart. Think about this. We're going to give you an award. After you have shed blood, saved lives, and the best that we can do for you is to give you an award. And then, as a country, pretty much, we can just forget you. Nobody even wants to hear what I'm saying right now. Woo! Boy, this is strong. I, somebody's probably going to get the, the old word offended by what I'm saying. He said, you're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars, but don't be troubled. It must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Okay? Because, he's saying, the wars and rumors of wars and nations are going to rise against nation, all that. And he breaks this down. He goes into this. If you got time, want to go read it yourself, you can read it. But I want you to notice something crazy. It's like he answers their question in the order that they asked it. He does not mention wars, earthquakes, and pestilence more than once. But there is one sign of the coming of the Lord, and only one, that he mentions three times. Verse 4, he said, I want you to be sure that no man deceives you. Talking to his disciples. Don't let men deceive you. Verse 5, number 2. He calls false Christs. He didn't say they're going to try. Is this too slow for y'all? Is this all right? Everybody doing okay? He said many are going to come in my name. And they shall. That scares the living fire out of me. He didn't say there's a chance they could. It's going to happen. Verse 24. There shall also rise false Christ. False prophets. And here's what they're going to do. They're going to show great signs and wonders in so much that if it were possible, they shall deceive. Who is that? These are not the same people that are deceived. In verse 5. These are the ones that have held out to the end. And he said, if it's possible, they too will be deceived. Listen, I believe 
Jesus is showing us the number one marker of the coming of the Lord is not going to be war, pestilence, disease, none of that. It's going to be deception. So here comes the heartbeat of where I'm at tonight. This is probably the craziest Wednesday night y'all have ever been to in this church. But I feel so much pressure in this hour. Just as did Amos to wake up those that are at ease. I'm going to tell you something tonight, church. I'm not... I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but there are... It's a biblical word, by the way. Conspiracy is a biblical word. When Absalom was leading revolt against David, his father, it said that Absalom led a conspiracy against David. It's a real word. It's whenever there's a hidden agenda that's operating behind the scenes that's not revealed until later, okay? There are conspiracies in the earth right now that are happening... But it should not be a surprise to us because it's in the book. I don't know if I'm going to leave this up or not. So don't plan on going back and listening to this to get your second dose of it. I'm getting ready to talk to you right now. We just came through the greatest test of the will of America that we've ever been through. I'll probably be criticized for this. But it's worth telling you. In less than three days time, this nation was shut down. And it started with a basketball game. I don't even know if anybody remembers how all this started. Somebody tested positive at a ball game, so they canceled the game, shut it all down. And within three days of that moment, boom, everything was done. Churches were shutting down. People were erect. They didn't know what to do. And people that are sensitive and tapped in and they understand the inner workings of things. And I'm not just talking about the Holy Ghost, but the Holy Ghost is a big determining factor in this. But people that understand what's happening on the inside, they started saying, don't believe everything that you see. People that have the Holy Ghost and felt things, and I'm fixing to take a poll in here, you feel no pressure But there were people during the beginning of this pandemic that were saying, Pastor, I believe the virus is there, but something feels weird. Is there anybody here tonight that will raise your hand and say, that was me. I was one of them. Okay? I'm going to tell you why it feels weird. Because we lost control. And the things you thought you had control of, you didn't. And the rest of the story is they proved to us that all they've done is let us think we were in control. And the worst thing in the world for the agenda of darkness is for people to start thinking on their own. Because they can make you believe whatever they want to make you believe. And that's what becomes your new truth. 
But there are people that have been kept out of the house of God because of a spirit of fear that has gripped their hearts. And I'm telling you, as sure as I'm breathing, call me goofy, whatever you want to tell me, this virus did not just get here in March. There were people in this church that had this back before the first of the year. All across this country, people had it. And when they went to doctors, I have personally talked to, to doctors, medical people, and they said, yes, we had it in Madison County, but we did not know how to say what it was. We didn't know how to identify it. We, we were, I went to the hospital. I had this crazy, crazy, crazy cough. I couldn't sleep. It was nuts. And I went, and the only thing they said was, Mr. St. Clair, we think you've got a bad sinus infection. So they gave me fenugrin so that I could sleep three or four hours a night and not cough until I ruptured another hernia. And all of America jumped on board and said, Oh my God, what are we going to do? We're going to die. And our poor medical workers were put on the front lines of fear, terror, darkness, I've got families still working in, in the medical world. Man, the first couple weeks they were scared to death, didn't know what was going to happen. I'm going to tell you what's happened, and just listen. As narratives start losing steam in the mainstream media, they shift from one to the next one. And now we're at a place where you, you mark it down, I'm just telling you. They don't know where to go from here and what to do next. So numbers are going to start spiking again. And there's getting ready to be a move by the fall of this year for another shutdown for churches in America. What are we going to do? Now that we have come to a place where we've seen it is serious. And I'm scared to death that some of our elders, you know, I've, I've prayed over. Man, I don't, want any, I don't want anybody to get it. It's scary. But what does not make sense to me, just call me opinionated or whatever, is for us as the church to start backing up and saying we're going to close our doors again. But we're still going out to eat. And we're still going to grocery stores. We're about to have to make some decisions as children of God where we're going to have to decide whose report we're going to believe. I'm not here tonight to sound like I'm out on some goofy limb, but you just mark it down. We're at ease in Zion. And now we felt a little bit of pressure lift off of us. And some of us aren't praying like we were praying three or four weeks ago. Some of us haven't fasted in weeks and weeks. Some of us don't know what to do. We're like, oh, thank God COVID's about over. Well, if it's not COVID, it's going to be something. We as the body of Christ are going to have to make some decisions. And I want you to hear, Pastor, good. I'm not here to get a hoorah. I'm not here to get a hand clap. I appreciate all. I'm not here for nobody to run the aisles. I'm here to sound the alarm to the body of Christ. 
There are spirits of deception that are running rampant like I have never, ever seen in my life. There are people that will not even look you in the eye right now because of hatred that they don't, it's not even real. If anybody ought to be leading the way right now, it ought not be Antifa. It ought to be the body of Christ. We ought to be teaching our kids, Jesus loves the little children. All the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. If deception was not going to be the key, why did Jesus mention it three times? In signs of the end time and the coming of the Lord and the end of the world. Let me tell you why. It's because it is the spirit of the age that is going to come against the church over and over and over. And I'm going to, I'm going to give you a picture of it right here, so stay close with me. If you think this first round is the end of the story, you've missed it. This spirit of deception is a battering ram. Oh, my God, I feel. And what we're getting ready to see into the coming of the Lord is back up with deception and run at the church. Boom. And we're going to come back. And so their narrative is going to come back again. And they're going to come against the church. Boom. Over and over and over. And this is the very reason why your relationship with God cannot be based on your fear of heaven and hell. You cannot have a fear-based relationship with God and make it. You're going to have to fall in love with Him and reject the fear of the world. It is that simple. I don't hate nobody. At all. This has to happen. That's what Jesus said. It has to happen. But verse 24 ought to make you shake in your britches and not out of fear of, oh, what if I mess up? It ought to make us wake up in Zion and say, if it were possible. But we ought to be getting up every morning and saying, but it's not. The elect need to stand up and declare it is not possible because I refuse to be deceived by this world. I used to hear him sing it all the time when I was a kid. And I, I, I mean, I, I knew it word for word. Well, there was a time I sang the wrong words to it. I made up my own. They were good, though. Sister Horner, I'd sing, oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. And I'd get through the song, and I'd say, the angels peck on me. 
I mean, they, I guess they did, kind of. <laughs> the angels peck on me. The real word's beckon for the new agers that don't know the song. But there was one line that made zero sense to me. I really didn't get it. I'm being serious as I could be. I, didn't, I never understood it. I can't feel at home in this world anymore. I'm like, what's your options? You better put on your house shoes and feel at home, big daddy. You ain't got no choice. You gonna follow Rover to Mars? I was I was driving down the road the other day. I'm not giving the devil an inch right here, okay? At all. But I was with my family. And when we left to go on this on this trip, I felt different than I ever have on any trip I left on. Say whatever, you can judge me, whatever you want to say. If it comes down to me and my family, it's my family every time. And I made sure before I left the house that I had enough to hold them off my car for a while if they decide to start knocking on my windows. I'm telling you all right now, before they get bricks in my windows, there's going to be something else on my car. I'm sorry. My family's first. And I'm driving down the road. Brother Bess, I'm not used to this. This is the most awkward feeling ever. I, we pulled into a major, major city in this nation, drove down the main street where it's supposed to be like the, all the out, so outside restaurants and all that. And Brother Castro, like, there was OSB covering like almost every window. I'm like, where am I? And so help me God, if I'm, if I'm lying, I'm dying. I started hearing it in the back of my mind. I, I could hear it. The saints of God. It was almost like, I don't know how to explain it. It was almost like I went back to our old sanctuary. And I started hearing it. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore and I started getting chills like you are right now because those ten plagues that happened were not just to show the Egyptians the power of God the Lord had to get Israel sick of Egypt if he was ever going to get them out I've come on this Wednesday night to tell you don't start looking for ways to fix a corrupted system. It ain't going to happen, baby. You're not going to vote this out because Jesus is going to come back. My God, I feel, Bishop, I feel it up in here right now. Man, I'm telling you, I feel the angels of the Lord moving through this place right now. Oh! 
Let me go ahead and prophesy in the Holy Ghost. It's time to get your house in order. It's time to get your house clean. It's time to get yourself ready. It's time to get everything out of your house you don't need in your house. It's time to get your heart right with God. It's time to get in a prayer room. Come on, whatever you got to do, it's time to get ready for the coming of the Lord. If we're going to have apostolic revival in the end time, at some point in time, we're going to leave the intersection of politically correct and we're going to walk into a dimension of apostolically correct and realize you cannot be apostolic and correct in the eyes of this world. We're going to have to fall in love with Jesus and get sick of Egypt. Come on, I'm trying to help somebody tonight. It's time to get intentional with your prayer life. Why are we this close to the coming of the Lord? And we cannot tarry with him one hour a day. We're still trying to fit prayer and fasting in our life and saying we're ready for the coming of the Lord. Still trying to figure out what we can get by with. What we can get by without. I looked my barber in the eyes today. She was apologizing to me because I was wearing a mask. She was like, you get to take yours off after July 5th. I said, thank you, Jesus. We got up front to pay. And I just felt that little nudge that you get from the Holy Ghost. She looked at me and she said, she said, bro, the fear that people have is crazy. I called her by name. I said, sweetheart, let me tell you something. I said, not one service at FPC has there been a prevailing spirit of fear. And I looked her in the eyes and I said, I'm going to tell you the rest of that story. I said, if the worst thing that happens to me in this world is that I close my eyes in this world and wake up in the next world. Maybe it don't resonate with you like it does me. But I've come to tell you, I'm not intimidated to go to heaven. I'm rapture ready tonight. I've got my heart in the right place. Come on, somebody. I got my Holy Ghost turned up on HI. I'm ready to go. If he comes tonight... I'm ready to go. And if you can't say that with a surety, you better do whatever you got to do to get ready.
It's as though I could see this picture, Bishop, and I don't know. I don't really know how else to draw this for the body. But you preached to us just, just a few weeks ago about the lullaby. And as, as tonight we were preparing for this meeting, it was, it was like, I'm going to try to draw you a vivid picture if I can. But I saw this great woman. And at first glance, I could tell it was the governments of the earth. And all of the things that they're intoxicated with. And I saw this baby wrapped in blankets in the arms of this great woman. And I saw that, that woman just begin to move back and forth, just a little bit at a time. And that crying baby just became silent. And it wasn't long till the eyes closed on that child. And I felt the Lord whisper in my spirit, if you're not careful, the agendas of this world are going to rock you to sleep. And we're going to go with it because it's the, we're going to go along to get along. But you go ahead and write it down however it is you take notes. You put it on record tonight. This church, and this preacher, we're not falling asleep in the arms of this world's agenda. We're going to preach truth until the sounding of the trumpet. I said, we're going to preach truth until the sounding of the trumpet. And we're going to be together in the house of the Lord. And when the sick are sick, we're going to pray the prayer of faith. If I'm not mistaken, leprosy was contagious when Jesus touched that leper. But the Holy Ghost in him was more powerful than the leprosy on that man. I feel a boldness trying to come on somebody tonight. If you're ready to accept the challenge to wake up and get out of ease, I want you to throw them hands in the air, surrender to Jesus, and say, Lord, I'll do whatever I've got to do. I want to be ready to go, and I want to be a part of a victorious church. If you got the Holy Ghost, you ought to be praying in the Holy Ghost tonight.
finished the ark and the Lord said it was time. Who was it that closed the door? It was God that closed the door. Who was it that opened up the heavens? God did. Who closed the heavens? God did. Who opened the door? God did. There's some things in this process that you can't control. So the only thing you can do is build what he says build. Build it the way he says build it and get on when he says it's time to get on. Because I'd rather be on the inside looking out than I would be on the outside looking in. I feel like I'm not saying tonight at all that I've spoke things to you that you weren't aware of. I know that. There's a, many of you are wise to what's going on. But there's a spirit of revelation that God is trying to illuminate in the body of Christ right now. To help us understand we will not be defeated. We will not be denied. We will not be backed up. It's not going to happen. We're going to win. We're going to be victorious. But when you leave here tonight, I want you to hang on Matthew 24, 24, and I want you to let it burn in your spirit. If it were possible, then he would deceive the very elect. I want you, as individuals, this is not pastor, this is you. I want you to figure out for you, what it's going to take to make that impossible and let that be your focus. Whatever it takes to make that impossible, that's got to become your focus because we're too close now to give up. Do you believe it? Let's clap to Jesus. Jesus.